Okay, so now we're going to talk about um, how one can make an, um, to distribute their, their assets or the like, even if it's not according to the halachic um, heir. So let's start with first uh, a will, a secular will, and then we'll talk about as well a, ter- a type of method which is used in order to be able to also uh, bequeath as you wish, even not necessarily if it is the halachic heirs, how it can be done, that it's certainly going to be effective in halacha. Okay, so regarding a secular will, so the obvious problem with the secular will is that whatever way or method it's written, um, at the end of the day, the effect of it usually means that it goes into effect after the person dies. I'm sure there are different types of legal wills out there, and maybe some differences, obviously, between each one. But the general idea is that, by and large, the purpose is that the effectiveness of the uh, transfer of ownership goes into effect after the passing of a person. The uh, clear problem with that is that by that point, when a person has already passed away, the Torah now dictates what is the order of who inherits. And if it's anything different than the method which the Torah would prescribe, suppose you had only sons, there would be no effectiveness for, um, and for, for someone to change that, that method which the Torah uh, dictates. So, for example, um, at the moment that they die, so now it belongs to the new heir, the true, uh, well, the halachic heirs, and now the will will say, I am going to give this portion, this, this person gets this, it, it, will not be, it will not be of effect. In matana lachar, says the as it's brought down. There's no giving a gift after you pass away because after you passed away, you you're you're not able to give a gift. And now, even if a person is showing this is what I want to happen, so then the you know that would be up to the heirs. They could say, listen, you know, they they could do it, but that's not that doesn't obligate them. Other than that's a maybe thing that they could uh, be nice thing to do or the like. However. There is the view of Ramosha Feinstein, and he's, and he's quoted, uh, I believe, from earlier sources that, that he quotes, who say that if the purpose of the will is documented and it's following the, la- la- the, la- the law of the land, etc., so he wants to say, a big chiddush, he wants to say he, he's trying to explain or, um, I guess, justify those who rely solely on a secular will, he says, ah, it's true that a gift after death is not able to work, right? But he says, he says, it seems to me, he writes, that um, you should fulfill the words of the, uh, the person who's, who's writing the will based on the concept that it's fitting with the law of the land. And now, in order for you to make a, a, transfer, of, a, a, a transfer of ownership, you have to make a kinyan, you have to make an acquiring, all those things have to be done. So... If you did it during your lifetime, you gave a gift to someone, that's fine. But to make an affecting uh, Kenyan where it will only be effective after they're passing away, that's not something that really, we don't, that doesn't work. But the Ramosha wants to say in a big chiddush on his part, big novelty, he wants to say that the fact that your intent was to um, try to make this happen and be effective and, and, and that you're making this document, so it's as if you're making the document effective in a way that it should also work according to the halacha, even if it won't, uh, you know, thus giving to non-halachic heirs, because it's like your intent is in, in tune with the fact that, that the Kenyan should be effective. It's a big, big novelty that he says this. Virtually all posts can disagree 
with Reb Moshe um, to mention some. Uh, you have Rav Asher Weiss. He says that the, the logic doesn't seem to make sense over here. At the end of the day, if there's no Kenyan that's effective right now, so, so, so you can't have the Kenyan take into effect, the, the, the ownership into effect after they're dead, plus during the lifetime, so or you're giving it now whenever the person wrote the will or, or, or not. So it, it won't work either ways. Also, Leva Arya writes, also disagrees with Ramosha, Zalman Nechemia, uh, Goldberg, and Rav Bleich from in Tradition Magazine and virtually all other posts. They don't accept this, this, uh, this, uh, this, this uh, novelty that he writes. Um, so now what could be done which will be effective without a, without a question? So you have already something very, um, you know, and, and of course, Ramosha was not saying it should rely on a secular will. He was, never, he was never making that assumption. He's just trying to say that if one had already made a secular will, and by the way, he was writing in regard to giving a certain charity, so how it could be effective, even though that the charity is not a halachic error. Okay, he's, he's writing about a certain scenario, but, you know, he was trying to, to, to just learn merit in the fact, but obviously he would never say, nor would any POSIC say, just make a secular will and you're good. Nobody would say that. So, so what, is, what is the method that can be done and, sh- and is done generally? So we, we do what's called a shtar chatzizachar, which means a document for a half a male. But the idea is, doesn't have to be only a half a male. And it means as follows. You see, if a person says, I want my um, niece to acquire something um, in an inheritance from now, and he has other relatives where that niece wouldn't theoretically be an heir. I want my daughter to acquire in a way where halakhically the daughter wouldn't necessarily be the halakhic heir, right? So what could he do? If he's going to, he could, he could do one of two things. He could say, I'm giving a gift right now. It belongs to her right now while he's alive. So that's one thing, but it's not really an inheritance anymore. It's, it's called a matnas mechaim, which is giving a gift while the person is alive. So that, that could work. And it's even mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch in chapter 281. Uh, the Ramah brings it down. In, um, in Siv Zayn, in Siv Zayn 7. So if you give the gift, it's, it's like any other requirement. You have to do a proper Kenyan uh, acquiring. You have to transfer ownership. Um, it, it wouldn't make sense then that if, let's say, it was a piece of property or it was whatever it is, he wouldn't be allowed to sell that thing. He could only benefit from the fruits of it. So if, let's say, he was renting out the property or was living it, he could only live in it, but he wouldn't be allowed to sell it because it doesn't belong to him. And obviously, it's not a good thing that a parent should give his assets and all his property to his children during his lifetime that the parent is relying on the child. That's not a, a good thing um, for many reasons. So obviously, this is... And also, with tax, tax purposes, it might have a different uh, effect. So, of course, this is not something that is generally done at all. Rather, what is done is, as we mentioned, the shtar chatzizachar, which is where a person makes themselves obligated to their, uh, whoever they want to bequeath to, let's say it was their daughter. So they say, I'm obligating myself. In English, this document is usually translated as something called an assumption of obligation, which is generally a supplement document to an existing secular rule. So they're making what's called, I'm obligating myself. This concept that a person is allowed to obligate themselves and say, I will owe so-and-so money to so-and-so from now. You know, 
this obligation will take effect, but I'm going to have it done according to the conditions I make. So yes, you can obligate yourself to pay a certain amount or have a certain own um, uh, debt uh, owed to someone. And it's uh, the Chachmi Asvarad. It says that the wise men of Svarad, they, they use this. It's mentioned earlier in the Shulchan Aruch and Chosh And so the Ramah brings it down. And basically it says that you obligate yourself to a certain amount of money. Generally speaking, the amount that you will obligate yourself, the, the person who's going to be Kuyib, uh, they're going to obligate themselves to a very high amount of money, which would be more than the amount of what their whole inheritance is. So that they say as follows, that I am obligating myself in front of a based in, in front, with the proper Kenyan and the like, with proper mind, and I'm not, you know... Uh, I am not uh, doing this out with. Uh, I'm having doing this out of clear mind. Then I'm going to give X amount of money uh, to so and so, or to this person and this person, whatever it is. And these are incumbent upon me and upon my heirs as a veritable debt from now. And these oblig uh, these obligations now are a lien on all my property. And therefore, that that means that when that person then passes away, they have now be that they have to pay it up after they pass away. And it comes into effect from now. They say from now it's been given to an effect and it should be paid off after I pass away. Okay? So now the thing is, is that then the, uh, the person then writes in the document with this proper, this, this uh, document of assumption of obligation that they say, however, I give that, um, I make this stipulation that my heirs can pay uh, off to this person, that whether it's my daughter or it's this person, whatever it is, uh, uh, let's say 10% or 50%, whatever it is, or, or an exact portion with all my other boys um, as, 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 like, as much as they would get as an heir. Let's say I had seven children, so one-seventh, let's just say, right? And if they pay uh, that fair share, then I, then I, I do not owe anything to, to this person. So basically, they're saying, I'm obligating myself to pay this massive amount of money, more than the, the amount that the whole estate would be able to pay for. However, I'm stipulating that if, they, if the heirs will pay from the uh, inheritance, right, if they're going to pay from the estate a certain portion, whatever they, they meet it out to be. So generally, in, in the times of the Ramah, it was a chatzi zachar, so a girl would get half the amount that a boy would get. And the Ksoyis HaChoshin in uh, chapter 33 in the Choshin Mishpat, he mentions the concept of a Shtar Zachar Shalem, which is where a, a girl could get maybe the full amount like that of a, of a boy, regardless, be it as it may. When you do this, then they are now no longer obligated. No one, I don't have to pay this debt anymore, the, the, attest, uh, the, the, the person who's bequeathing rights. And that's it. And that will be their inheritance. That will, that'll be what they get. This is a method which basically is pretty standard and it works well. And it, uh, it, it, would, it would be good even in the event where the person had acquired other things. Like, let's say they wrote their will when they were 50. And over the, from 50, they acquired more properties and more, more things. So, again, even, so they wouldn't be able to give a gift for something that didn't yet come about. But if they obligate themselves in a way of, as we mentioned, of some very, very hefty sum, uh, which is even more than what they maybe own, so, and they say, but I will stipulate that this person will get, if, if this person is paid an equal share amongst the rest of the heirs, then they don't obligate themselves to them. So it would work also under those circumstances. So this is generally what is done. Obviously, it needs to be done uh, with a halachic expert in this field and to ensure that everything is done correctly.
And of course, they probably work it out with a lawyer also to make sure that, the, that everything both on the secular level and on the halachic level will be clear without any potential problems in the future.